It is a crossover edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast and the Locked On Baylor podcast. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12. Drake Toll is here, the host of Locked, was it Locked On Baylor, Locked On Bears. I'm always so bad at this. Correct it's Locked me. On Baylor. Those Chicago guys took some copyright stuff, and I don't I know. know. I, I'm always worried. I never know what to say. So Locked On Baylor, uh, today we're going to look back on the season kind of in review for the Baylor Bears, discuss what went wrong. There were some things that went right and what's going to happen moving forward for Baylor as the new Big 12 kicks off next year. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Locked On Big 12, Locked On Baylor crossover. Make sure you guys subscribe to both on YouTube, especially Locked On Big 12. We're trying to get to 3K subscribers by the end of the month so four more days we are at uh we're almost at 3k we're less than 40 away so please subscribe also guys subscribe to locked on baylor you guys find us both on twitter i'm at josh neighbors underscore drake is at drake c toll uh so drake baylor picked to win the league this year yeah did not um no they did not do that six and seven the final record um Give me like 30 seconds on like just the Baylor season in a nutshell, like a paragraph almost. Uh, disaster is a good word to start with. You are preseason top 10 pick to win the Big 12, and you go six and six. Not only do you go six and six, but like the biggest blue ball in Baylor football history is six and three. And you have a shot at a Big 12 championship. Go back to the Sugar Bowl. This season, the three losses don't matter. You can still turn the ship around. Uh, you lose your last four, including a 30 to 15 beat down to Air Force. It, it was it was pretty devastating to Baylor fans who thought this was going to be the Baylor team, barring a crazy injury. Josh, there were no crazy injuries. This team just ended up being bad. And Dave Aranda put it great at his last press conference. This was a fitting way to end. A, a disappointing season. So I think we have to teleport ourselves back in time to the start of the year. Um, because look, you know, I was as low as I was on Baylor. They were a lot worse than I thought they would be. With that being said, um, I, I think there's, I think we, we were too high on this group for a couple of reasons. Number one, they lost a lot. Like they really yeah. lost a lot off last year's team. I know how important the lines of scrimmage are. And a lot of people were correct in assuming, because that is where a lot of football games are won, right? Yeah. That is still where a lot of games are won. And Baylor retained a lot there. But we're seeing these guys on Sundays, Jalen Petrie, right? Uh, Tyquan Thornton, Terrell Bernard. And then you got guys even like Abram Smith. Treston Ebner has played a lot for the Bears as well. Yeah. These are all guys who are like, you know, decent to serviceable to whatever NFL players, which means they were very good college players. And, as good as Baylor has gotten with some of the speed on the outside, some of the running backs they have, as good as they were in the line of scrimmage. They also had a new quarterback coming in. I know we saw a little bit of, but not enough, I think, to sell sell us in the way a lot of people were sold. And I think we're going to see this next year, too. I think TCU is going to get a lot of hype preseason. I think Kansas State will get a lot of hype preseason. And we saw it happen this year with both Oklahoma State and Baylor, and we saw what happened. So, Maybe it was a preseason buzz. I think the expectations were too high. Mm. I'm still with you on this being a disappointment. So I think both can be true. Like, I think the expectations were high, and I think also were too high, and this was also a disappointment. But I know Baylor fans feel differently because 
it felt like Shapin was supposed to take the offense to the next level. And that's the number one thing I feel like. Am I wrong here? That just didn't happen. Yeah, that was look, the most popular guy in town is a backup quarterback on almost every team, unless you have a Heisman caliber quarterback right. taking snaps. And so the most popular guy in town all season was Kyron Drones. Was we want Kyron, we want Kyron because Baylor fans were looking for one piece of the puzzle to blame. What could we fit in here that's going to change everything this year? And this little thing is tweaked, and Baylor's going to win their their 10 games that we were promised preseason. And everyone kind of turned to Blake Shapin. I was on the Blake Shapin train pretty firmly until week 12, really, or, or the 12th game, I should say. I was, I was ready for him to take the next step and at some point evolve. You saw the Iowa State game. He played really well. Texas Tech, he played really well. He started to fit this role of, Gary Bohannon, which was be the game manager, don't turn the ball over, just be safe, and let's go win the football game by the ground and pound. The Oklahoma game was the same way. Uh, and then by the end of the year, that Kansas State game was a oh, just terrible. Like, couldn't have been a worse football game for a Baylor team that thought they could win it and go to the Big 12 title. Uh, and then you get all the way to the Texas game where I thought he was even worse. And then Air Force, like, the, the guy couldn't win for losing. In his last four games, three of them were just awful and, and Baylor fans took a look at that, and and they were ruthless to him. And now Baylor only has one scholarship quarterback, and his name is Blake Shapin. And I think a lot of fans are, are pretty wary of that. It's not – this doesn't feel remotely close to the stability that Aranda had in his first offseason or his second offseason. That's a scary thought for a lot of Baylor fans, and I think it starts with the quarterback. Yeah, so let's let's stick there. We have, we have to stick there. Um I think we're I think we have to be careful with with how fast we get on these guys, right? Because mm. this year is a really good example of this. And I've said this a bunch, I'll say it again here. But Max Duggan, I did not think was great for I actually thought like Chandler Morris was probably the right call. Yeah. Uh, at the start of the year. Just because he like he if we're talking about short and intermediate passing game, like it looked like he was a little better at that than, than Max Duggan was. Max got a lot better at that, right? Um and Max was a lot of all or nothing most of the time, and he changed that. Will Howard, my God. I mean, if you watched him mm. play the first couple of years, it was rough, really rough. So much so that people had talked about, hey, maybe should he be playing tight end? Yeah. And I think we have to be careful with that because we, we notice the time with time, these guys can get really good. Spencer Sanders is a great, a, a great example of this. I mean, I thought Spencer Sanders at peak, his peak abilities this year, it was basically a one-man show, but he was a really he could win them. He could single-handedly win them basically any game yeah. in this league uh, when he was fully healthy. And that team was not that good, in my opinion. And I think that showed growth there. And like that's why I'm wondering. You know, people are worried about the obviously they're concerned about the quarterback situation. Mm. But I want to get your thoughts on this idea of uh, maybe we have to wait. And look, I'm not saying he played well enough. I'm mm. not saying that's not what I'm trying to say. But m my point is like. This was his first full year as a starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, and really all the hype last year was based off of one half in the Big 12 championship game. And that was never enough for me. I, and I'm not saying I've turned the corner completely on him. He's going to be good. But like the guy has ability and he needs to get better and improve. But uh, he's going to have another full offseason, second full offseason as, as a starter. And look, sometimes guys take two or three of those. Like not everybody is – not everybody is going to be a, a five-star guy who's going to be able to like, you know what? I've got one bad year in my belt. I'm a different player all of a sudden. It just doesn't happen for most 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Yeah, I want to – I don't have a coin next to me, but I have a retainer. I'm going to go because I'm at my childhood home. I'm going to go – there's two sides to the retainer here, Josh. Yeah. And 
the one side, which I have been on more often than not, is give the kid time because he's he's a kid. He This right. is his first full season as a starter. His offensive line was great, and you can make the excuse of, okay, why did he misuse such a great offensive line? Well, his receivers weren't great. He had a lot of injuries. That receiver room was so inexperienced that somebody said it to me within the staff that he is learning every week with the receivers this mm-hmm. isn't a receiving core that he can lean on whatsoever he's got to go out there and make big plays because his receivers are so inexperienced they're going to drop a lot of balls miss routes and it's making it even tougher on Blake Shapin so there's that that it's twofold in that yeah there are a lot of things this year that stacked against Blake Shapin in year one that made things extra tough on him I think the running back room could be another one you look at the first couple of games Baylor didn't know who the running back was Who's right. the who's going to be the guy? If Blake Shaven's not throwing the ball well, who's going to run the ball well? And and again, that all added up into a pressure for a young kid who's in his first year. Now, on the other side, as many good quarterbacks as you've mentioned, from Will Howard to Max Duggan, who I thought were bad, really, really bad, who in three or four years develop into, into elite caliber quarterbacks, maybe Blake Shaven's that guy. But then I give you Donovan Smith and say – Here's a kid that I thought really young was like, all right, give him a couple of years. He could be really good. And and now what? Or take I haven't given up on him yet either, I, which, which is funny. because You haven't really given up on Donovan Smith? Yeah, yeah, No, God, no. Oh, my God, no. I'm not giving up on that guy. They, he, was he supposed to be in an offense? He he's not the type of player who should be in an offense with throwing the ball 50 times a game. That's what Tech no, does. He should That's not a good fit. It's not a good fit. It's not a good fit at all. And look, we'll get a chance to see him in the Big 12 with Houston next year, right? You're yeah. A chance. But like this, I would say the same thing too. And, th- and this is the most extreme case, Hunter Deckers. Like, I think there yeah. is no doubt. Well, you could maybe say whatever was happening with West Virginia's quarterback situation. But like for a guy that we mm-hmm. saw for the full season, Hunter Deckers was the worst. He was by far the worst quarterback Absolutely. that we saw wire to wire this year. But like, you know, as bad as it was, if you're Iowa State, you don't get a ton of guys. And then they have a new kid going in, uh, Cole, whatever his name was. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Coming in is supposed to be pretty good. But, like, you you can't just give up on these kids because, like, it's not the pros. You know what I mean? Like, it's, mm. it, and I know that we only have we only get these kids for so long, right? You only get them for three, four years. And the transfer portal is there. And so there's so much now – there's so much desire to turn it around quickly, to make a change, to do something different. And – I think the reality of the situation is like you're more often than not, you are better off sticking with that guy. Mm. Like Iowa withstanding more often than not, you are better off. You know, you're better off sticking with the, the guy that you have, unless like if it hits a certain point of critical mass, then sure. You have, to, you have to get rid of him. I get it. But I think the receiver point you make, that's a good one. I've been echoing that the entire year. Like, look, like th- I think this group together yeah. has a chance to be a really good group. But, you know, and I, I know everybody doesn't want to hear this, but, like, sometimes maybe you just have to be the developmental program. The thing about Baylor is, and the fans know this too, like, it's it's a lot of peaks and valleys. Now, it's not all because of, like, the way the school is. A lot of it's been coaching turnover, right? Right. And some of the stuff that's happened, obviously, to Art Riles. But, I mean, it was, you know, it's been, you know, Art Riles and then down had the Jim Grobe experience, right, to, to kind of stable the ship. And then to Matt Rule, he lose Matt Rule. It's down with Dave Aranda. It's mm. back up with Dave Aranda. And now it's back to six and six, which is not like all the way down. But, like, Baylor, because of the money they have, because of where they are, has the ability to reach those high heights. And it almost like it resets expectations every single time we, we, we go through one of these high-low cycles, I feel like. Well, you know what happens to a, a starving person? If you give a starving person just a little bit of food, they want a whole lot more right now. 
Baylor fans don't know what it's like to win until the last decade of football. And now they've gotten little glimpses into it. It's this idea of, all right, well, let's just do that every year. Then if it's that easy, if Dave Aranda can do it in year two and have the best, like Dave Aranda in three seasons has two below 500 and one, the greatest single year in school history there. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Baylor fans, they want some sort of consistency because there've been so many peaks and valleys, but when when you're the small private school down in Waco and TCU can you can argue it has pretty much the same point in the Big 12 there are going it's going to be such a roller coaster of year in and year out are you an older team this year how does your schedule favor you mm-hmm. saw the Baylor schedule they go on the road to basically everybody and any of the big teams that did not favor the Bears whatsoever this season so things like that are going to factor into why this team went six and six but again Baylor fans those starving people have gotten a little bit of food and they want so much more so I, I, look I'm with you I, I these are the points that I was making till week 12 I felt like Blake Shapin the one thing that kind of troubles me looking forward into the future is he didn't really get better he got mm-hmm. worse that's the thing that is where I'm like oh you at least bring in a transfer quarterback that can compete for the job. I don't need somebody else to start next year. I don't, but I need somebody to make Blake and Blake shape and seat feel a little warm so that he, he steps it up and has some pressure on his spot and then fulfills that and, and gets comfortable. One word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's locked on big 12 podcast is brought to you all by bet online and BetOnline.net. BetOnline is the best place for all of your sports action needs. Get the latest odds, trends for every pro and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, from basketball to the World Cup, they've got it all at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And guys, it is soccer season. It is football season, both footballs if you will. It is basketball season. It is NHL season. There's always MMA and boxing going on as well. You can find all of those at BetOnline and BetOnline.net today. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. So I, I will say this, they're in pretty good shape with running backs, right? I mean, I'm not sure, not, yeah. not any of them in the portal to my knowledge, right? Oh, no, uh, man. And I think, and I believe they all have eligibility, if I'm correct. So it's going to be mm. uh, obviously Richard Reese, who is fantastic in his yeah. freshman season. Craig Williams, Craig Scroll Williams is back. Uh, and Quaylen Jones, right? And these are all guys who had essentially 100 carry seasons. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty awesome. They had three guys like that. I know the offensive line's going to go through some transition, but it's nice that you've got three separate guys that at least, no matter who's under center, like you can ride a hot hand, whoever you feel like is running the ball the best that day. And they might need that if the offensive line's in transition. You might need a guy to get a bit more mm. out of every carry because his line's not doing all the work. Now, those guys aren't used to that yet, but I think they're, that's one part of the offense where, you know, we're kind of negative so far, but, like, you got to love your running back room if you're heading yeah. into 2022. Maybe a guy transfers, but still, if you retain two of those three, like, you're in great shape. And if you retain all, th- retain all three, I mean, gangbusters potentially in, in, in that part of the offense. Yeah, Dominic Richardson, too, from Oklahoma State oh, coming that's right. over out of the portal. So now it's like, all right, sweet. I don't know if we really needed an extra running back. Yeah, why did I, I don't get that. Right? Yeah, he's good at football, so I'm not yeah, complaining. Player, yeah. But if you're just loading up that room to be one of the more elite, at least the deepest in the Big 12, which that's that's something good. Last year, it's funny to me, Josh. Last year was like, all right, who's going to be the running back? I don't know. 
but the line's good. So put me back there. Let me carry the ball. As long as that offensive right. line is in front of you, you're going to be good. So these, these guys on the ground got a year with a really good offensive line who underperformed at times, but what they were still a really good offensive line. So that experience now next year becomes who's the offensive line. I don't know, but we got these guys running the football, so we should be okay. Thankfully there's that transition in this program and Richard Reese, as good as he was, I mean, he was a freshman, true freshman who nobody had heard of. I, look, Week two, it's like, who's this Reese kid on the field and why? We did all these preseason. Who can make an impact out of the freshman class? He wasn't on he was on none of them. So the fact that he was that good and Craig Williams steps in into that role as well, Quaylen Jones, and now Richardson, you could see a really good run game from Baylor. Look, there are a lot of positives for this team. A couple of portal receivers, portal offensive linemen, but that's the big thing. How do you rebuild this O-line and also, you don't have a defensive coordinator. I, I've yes. got questions, Josh, that have not yeah. been answered yet, and that kind of scares me. So wide receivers, we touched on a little bit. I, you know, I, I think like Monterey Baldwin's the guy I think we all look at and we're like, that that's it right there. Like that yeah. guy is the he can has a chance to be the game breaker. And look, I think it's more of that building that relationship up with the quarterback. You know, mm -hmm. I think I think that's that's there. And uh who they get in the portal wide receiver? Uh, who, who we who are we talking about here? Got an Arkansas kid, uh, which certainly makes yours truly happy. And I um He's a four-star out of high school. Played a little bit for the Hogs last year. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to. I wish you remember. Not a robust passing attack that the uh, the Hogs have. I mean, no. Kids, and Malik Horns, you might come to Baylor out of the portal. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. I did see that. Oh. Which, which is like, I feel like that kid wants to play, and I'm not sure. I mean, maybe maybe he likes his chances. No, Blake Shapin. Uh, but yeah, Ketron um, Jackson, uh Keetron Jackson coming to Baylor from Arkansas is great. I just, you're right. Like, who threw him the ball there? Uh, yeah, KG Jefferson, uh, Kindy. Let's do defense. So I, th I thought there were moments this year where they kind of like, they were able to push, push some teams around a little bit. Um, Texas Tech, five yeah, interceptions. They completely pushed Texas Tech around. I mean, and they were controlling the game up front. And then you had games, oh, you had, a, had their way with them a little bit um, on, the, on the offensive side of things. And then also, you know, the West Virginia game, I mean, complete disaster up front. Like West Virginia was getting whatever they wanted. And that that you can't say that for West Virginia for most yeah. of their games this year, right? So what I, I feel like to me, they need they need more playmakers in the in the linebacking spot and and, yeah. and in the secondary. I think they need more guys that can make plays back there. And then their defensive line just needed to be a bit more consistent than was, I thought. Mm. What This was supposed to be the greatest defensive line that's ever existed in right. the history of the world, and that just wasn't. That was the, the really weird part. I say really weird. Maybe the most weird part of this entire team to me was how ineffective the defensive line was at times this year. Even against Albany in the first game of the season, you're like, huh. They're not getting as much of a push as I thought they would mm. get. And that ended up being consistent the rest of the year. We got to like week nine. Somebody looked at me and goes, where's Jackson player? And I had forgotten that he was on the team. He was supposed to be this marquee guy out of the portal. And, and you really didn't see him take that next step toward the end of the year. Siaki Ika is getting double teamed and felt like Gabe Hall had his points and Garmin Randolph. But do we think Siaki Ika just had too much tension on him or do we think he didn't play? with? Oh him? yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I've heard a little bit of both and I'm not sure where I, I mean, I, I, Watching, there were times where I'm like, where is he? And there were some games actually where I thought he did step up a little bit. Yeah, I, I would give you it is a little bit of both. I'm not going to give him a full escape because you think that when you think those guys like I wanted him to be this background or, or backfield, just havoc wreaker. And you didn't get that. You, you really didn't. And even if he's being double teamed against Albany, you're like, all right, this is the game. He's going to eat somebody. He's going to eat somebody. He never ate anybody pretty much the entire year. So 
Yeah, I, I think you should ask a little bit more out of Siaki Ika, but when they've got two or three offensive linemen and a pulling guard that are all blocking him, I get I get right. why he wasn't <laughs> as effective as maybe some Baylor fans expected. Um, so I, I will say this, like, like, you know, the defense wasn't, wasn't horrible, but this wasn't a conference that was awesome at defense this year. And they were middle of the pack in this, in this conference. Um, where are we on the hiring of a defensive coordinator? Because this is obviously becomes an interesting one due to, we, you know, we saw Ron Roberts move on Dave Miranda, Mm -hmm. obviously defensive guy, such a, a really successful defensive guy at that as well. Um, what is the latest buzz on where the Baylor Bears are hiring a defensive coordinator? Yeah, it's not good. Uh, at the time of recording this, there's really there, the buzz is almost non-existent. I it hurts my bones and my soul that we in the press conference after the Air Force game, you knew that you're going to get like ten questions from these reporters, Dave Aranda and Dylan Doyle, and that's it. He is reclusive. He is a groundhog. He will not take media again till spring football. So you won't see Dave Aranda for three more months. And even after they hire a defensive coordinator, you still won't see Dave Aranda. So a lot of questions that have gone unanswered going into this offseason and will remain unanswered. That being one of them is what's the timeline for a D.C. Josh, it's December 27th as we're recording it right now at 1150 Central Time. Braun Roberts was fired on December 1st. It has been four weeks since this process started, and Baylor wasn't preparing for a big bowl game. They had the Armed Forces Bowl on December 23rd. So I I don't know how, especially with Jim Leonard in the mix from Wisconsin, who's brought so much buds. There are a couple other coordinators from across the country who aren't still in bowl games. Like, Unless he's going to pull something insane with one of these college football playoff teams, I don't know why it's taken four weeks because you're losing so much in the portal by not getting somebody right now who can bring in guys that love him. So, and yeah, right. It's almost like they were, they were doing it as a reaction. Just like, that's what teams do Mm. when they don't play well. And I don't know if they necessarily needed to do it. I, I feel I, I look, I saw some of your tweets during the year, like somebody's got to pay. Somebody has to answer for it. I know that's how people feel. Right. But was it the right, like if you had no backup plan, like you don't have a backup plan and, and maybe it's your fault for having a backup plan, but like, you know, you, you I, I know Dave Rand is going to put the time in and make what he believes to be the right hire. If, mm. if he is anything, he is thorough. Correct. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the guy that we know. Um, but it is interesting because that is supposed to be this team's strength. I will say, like, I think they're in a position where they can get back to that. I, I also think the under the radar, they'll be under the radar next year. Um, that's kind of a place that they can live. But it is curious to me that they didn't they didn't get on this faster. It's um, interesting to me too, Josh. As crazy as the Big 12 was last year, like, oh, it's never been so wide open. Who's gonna win the Big 12 next year? Right. It's right. Gonna- yeah. I love the parody in this league, and you're adding four new teams that what are they going to do to this league? Right. They might just be a wrecking ball and take out a bunch of these, you know, the hateful eight that they call yeah, every team outside of Texas and Oklahoma. I, d- I don't know what this league's going to look like, so that makes me want even more stability. With well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the fans who are in my, and I'm, I'm sure you're hearing from them too, the Texas Tech fans think they are going to have an 11-win season next year. They think it is their uh, league, and they think they, they cannot be told differently. And look, I'm happy for them. They've had a fantastic year. Um, but, like, I think you made a great point. 
and, and here's here's the good thing about tech this year they're like, they're like a good like good measuring stick right they're very they were they really didn't get blown out until mm. until they played baylor and just got i mean tossed around at home on at home on patrick mahomes and, day and how pat like they weren't ready for a big game against patch on patrick mahomes day yeah. my god what's gonna happen when you're ranked and texas comes back to town right they already had to it's go to the road to texas next year mm. right or you know uh they're going to norman next year as well like what happens or, and they have to go to baylor next yeah. year as well what happens then uh, and i'll i will tell you this this kind of transitions us to like the outlook for next year you know baylor has one of the coaches that we he's won a big 12 championship he, he has mm. pedigree winning nash championships as a as a coordinator he has won a conference championship as a head coach he has won a new year's six bowl he he is you know he's a, you know he's beaten teams that he's lost to early in the year like kind of all the things that you want to check off the box and i will say the one thing that we know he did really well from the two win season to the 10 win season, or was it a 10 wins? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The 10 win season was adjusting and like being very honest about what had to change. And, you know, he is not the stick to my guns for the sake of sticking to my guns type guy. Mm. And I think that is very encouraging for Baylor fans. So do I know what the changes are right now? No, but I'll tell you this. They got an off awesome offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, who's still there. Right. Which is fantastic. Um, because people thought he'd get a head coaching job. Yeah. And they've got a really smart defensive mind at the, at the coach. And I know they've lost the guys recruiting with that in a second. But, like, there is a world in which Baylor goes right back to the Big 12 championship game next year and Blake Shapin takes a step and the wide receivers look, look a year older and the defense, you know, is better. Hmm. And it just, it, it like, it can't improve. It, as bad as it's been, it definitely can't improve. I thought TCU was going to win five games this year. Yeah. I thought we were, like, five games this year. Because I didn't know what their identity would be in year one under Sonny Dykes, and they're going. They're My favorite part about the TCU going eleven and one, twelve and zero, twelve and zero with college football or playoff and everything and one, yeah. is that they at the beginning of the year they would t they would clip people like you and me predicting their season, and by the end of the year they just stopped because they were like every analyst in America predicted that right. no they're, one their over under win total was like five and a half. <laughs> yeah. No one like, predicted like, them to be good. Like this same group of players won five games last year with a coach yeah. who's a Hall of Famer. Like, <laughs> like so-called analyst thinks TCU is going to be bad like yes everyone yes. did I, you know and everybody it's funny because the end of the year people were saying like tc was my favorite team and i'm like i, I guess you all just forgot what i said the first <laughs> month of the season I, I, you know, I guess i and it's um i'll tell you what though I'll i want to ask you about this like the loss of austin Novasad, that because the transition of, of the baylor quarterback situation like they needed that guy in there and, and look, yeah. the recruiting class is still pretty decent but that Getting a player like that after a season that Baylor had mm. still signifies that, look, we can still, even on a down year for us, yeah. we're a year removed from a Big 12 title, we can still kill it recruiting-wise. Everybody says it's always the next class. And I don't know if that's always true because so much happens between last year. And I mean, it's a year away from the Big 12 championship to mm. the following signing day, right? You know, I mean, Baylor's Big 12 championship as we sit right now, and the signing day just happened. You know that that was that's over a calendar year ago. Yeah, yeah. So talk about this recruiting class and and, and what it means to lose Austin Novosad. Because I know you talked to him. I know you were able to get a chance to get to know him a little bit, and, and also just kind of the choice and what happened there. 
It is. It's the best recruiting class David Randa has had, and it was on track to be a top twenty recruiting class when you had Brathwaite and Torian York, and you had Austin Novosad, and, and now you don't have any of those guys. Those were kind of your some of your marquee dudes in this in this class, and they all jumped ship and went to Texas A and M and Oregon. And I, um, the weirdest part to me is is the relationship that I got to build with Novosad there late in the game, and how I thought like, all right, sweet, this kid feels like genuine and and has this this loyalty to Baylor and, and look I don't want to say that he's not genuine or doesn't have <laughs> got a dog in the background I don't want to say he's not genuine or doesn't have a loyalty um but when someone waves million plus dollars in your face or whatever Nike and, and Oregon wanted to throw at him like look it, it's tough not to balk at that and I don't know the kid's financial situation but that's something you take into account so I, I'm not one of these keyboard fans it's like oh I'm so mad uh, there are things that Baylor is not equipped for that will keep them in um, that will keep lo- keep them losing these recruits. NIL being one of the big ones, they are just behind the punch in NIL compared to a lot of these big major programs. Well, compared to, I mean, compared to Oregon, Oregon, yes. <laughs> and and really compared to, I mean, look, and you can say the same about Iowa State, and you can say the same about a lot of these Big Twelve schools that just haven't met the SEC, Big Ten, or even Pac twelve caliber of NIL. Baylor being one of them, it, this is going to be a trend moving forward. And and it sucks, but it's the new age of college football. And if Dante Moore takes 48 hours to decide to go to UCLA, Austin Novosad's at Baylor. That that was the catalyst. Dante mm. Moore decides to go to UCLA 48 hours before signing day. And that's when Oregon said we have to have Austin Novosad. Give him the bag. Give him whatever. We'll take him. Well, and this is an important point here that, that you bring up with all this stuff. And I, I think that. Oftentimes, like we separate these conversations, I think this is a really good place to have it all together. Um, the reason why on this Big 12 channel, I've been talking about if the if the Big 12 had the ability to add an Oregon mm-hmm. and a Washington, if if the if the Pac-12 fell apart, they should is because of this. Like this school, when you think about Nike and college football, yeah. what do you think of? It's Oregon, right? Yeah. You're not thinking of anybody else. It is Oregon. And from what we've been hearing, Phil Knight, you know, the, the, the goal now is to get that man a football champ or basketball, or, but both maybe a championship before he moves on. He's, he's not a young guy, right? And he, no. Hope, we hope Phil Knight lives to be 150, but like he is in his 80s now. Um, and so that is something that I think it's factor in. But like those schools have that kind of money mm. to throw around, to toss around because they're big brands and they have big backing. And like as much as I hate to say it, and you just admit it as well, some of our institutions that we have can't throw their weight around like that. And the NIL era, it sucks because, you know, when as soon as one of our schools gets a kid like that, one transition from one, you know, Dante Moore, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. him. That means that a kid who could have been a star in this league for years to come, we've just lost out on him because of these other massive powers yeah. with the spending money that they have. And look, this is not me trying to diminish the league at all. It's just a reality of the situation. And, um, it, you know, Baylor's getting punished for it. But that's why these schools – and look, these schools have always had this. They've always had to develop talent, right? They've always had to make it work. Like, we, you know, Baylor has won without Austin Novosad before. No. They can do it after, I guess, would be my – not positive spin, but, like, look, it's not the end of the world. As much as getting yeah. him would signify, you know, where this program is, you can still win without him, although we'd love to have him. Yeah, there was a staff member I, I heard from kind of under the table that will remain anonymous, of course, that said pretty much the same thing was, look, if if Austin Novosad doesn't want to come here, we don't want Austin Novosad. <laughs> like, right. 
Why would we have wanted a guy who teeter in, teeter out? Do I want to be there? Do I not? What's the point of that? Maybe he would have been great for us. Maybe he would have been the talent, portal. That's why. Maybe he would have been a portal in two years. You know. Right. So at the end of the day, we are a Baylor program that wants kids that want us. That has always been the message. We want Jalen Petries. Jalen Petrie wouldn't have taken the back from Oregon. Austin Novosad's not Jalen Petrie. See you later. And I know it sounds like the guy that got broken up with. It's like, oh no, it was mutual. But that at least is a it's a good perspective, a positive, healthy perspective to think, okay, if the kid didn't want us, that's great. Have a fun time at Oregon. We want guys that want us. Well, I, I think he did. I think just in the end of the day, though, it's probably, I mean, the amount of money that that a Nike back stupid. Yeah, it's gonna be a stupid amount of money. And, and look, that's that's like the going rate for these kids, right? I mean, yeah. you know, and you want to have a plan, it, like that's that's what NIL has done. Um, now kind of the situation. Let's talk about the transfer portal real quickly before we get out of here. What is what else besides receiver? Where is Baylor going hunting? And I will say this too. I feel like same thing with recruiting applies to transfer portal. When you go play for Dave Aranda, and I've always said this, I feel like if you are a parent and he comes into your house, and I know all the head coaches doesn't always do all the recruiting, but they do a good amount of it. Um, there is a certain level of sincerity where it's like, I, and we don't know these people. You know, I know there's coaches who've done bad stuff, so like whatever. But like, he seems like an incredibly sincere person. Yeah, who's very thoughtful. And if I was a father or mother, I could trust my kid sending them to play for this awesome coach. So I feel like they are after a certain type of kid. So is that what you're hearing too? Is that the approach to the portal? Same with the recruiting. Like we want kids who want us. We want a certain type of of young man. So I know everybody says this, but with Dave Aranda, yeah. it actually does feel real. Yeah, they want culture, period. That's why I hired Jeff Grimes, is they want culture. That's why right. I fired Ron Roberts, because they want culture. That's why I fired Larry Fedora. Dave Aranda is, you're right, he's going to leave people on the cutting room floor who don't fit the culture. That applies to players as well. So in the portal, it's not, oh, we have a five-star athlete who wants to come here. If he's not a culture fit, we're not going to take him, because he'd probably be in the portal a year from now anyway. He wouldn't fit. So I, there are layers and levels to that. It, it puts you behind the punch in a lot of areas. It really does, because you're losing out on some great athletes that you don't think are going to be fits <laughs> and and you're also looking at kids that could be great projects that you're maybe not getting and, and you're behind the punch in that Dave Aranda said he's going to go after quarterback in January Josh the portal opened up almost a month ago why right. are you waiting till January to get a quarterback that's right. what he's doing to follow through with what his culture is do I always think it's the most progressive and active way to do this to build the best football team no because it's not but in the long run, if you want to build stability, consistency, no more ins and outs and ups and downs and hills and valleys, this is the way to do it. So I'm going to sit here, my thumb in my mouth, and be happy in five years when Baylor feels like one of the stronger programs in the Big 12. Because I, I do see that as being the trajectory under I Dave Miranda. So. I, th I agree with that. I, I think that's kind of the upshot of all this. Like, they are in Texas, advantage. Yeah. It is a smaller private school. But there is still a lot of money there. They play in a beautiful stadium. And I think the rest of the facility is like pretty good too, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I think, They're yeah. building a whole new indoor football facility too. Right. So. They have a coach that he is not Shane Beamer, right? He is not Brent Venables. Yeah. He is more towards, I'd say, Sonny Dykes in like the demeanor department, right? Sonny is a bit more laid back, chill, cool. Dave is more of like just a quieter, quieter guy. Is that, yeah. do you think like that's fair? And Look, like it's still a six-win season, and I, I said the same thing with Oklahoma State. You said it first. You said it here. It disaster was the word you used. Mm. If six and seven is a disaster, you're in a fine spot. You're in an okay spot. All right. You're just. I'll say the same thing about. I said the same thing 
about Oklahoma State. I said, look, seven and five, eight and five is what seven and six, eight and five is they end up. We'll see what happens tonight. And you all will know what happens after this. But like that was a bad season, regardless of what happens. Pretty good spot, right? Pretty good spot if that's the case. Yeah. I still feel very good. Baylor and TCU, they are rivals. They do feel very much alike about like what their positioning is. And look, I, I like their footholds. I, we know they can win at a mm-hmm. high level in this league. We're, we're, here's the thing. Iowa State and – well, Iowa State, we know they can. But, like, you know, they haven't come – they feel like they're a long way away. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Do we do we know if West Virginia can win a Big 12 championship? No. I don't. I don't. No, we've got no clue. UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. We've got no clue, right? Mm-hmm. There is this group of teams that we have got no clue if they can win. Baylor is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Also, on the conservative point you said made, it came back to bite them in that TCU game. God, that play calling was bad there. That was old Dave. That was two win Dave. <laughs> Dave, what? I mean, that was bad. That, that was Larry was, Fedora Dave. Is what that it was. was Larry Fedora Dave being like, we got to punt our own, you know, on, on their thirty-five yard line. It was, it was a nightmare. But yeah, you agree with that? You feel like you know what? We know we can win a Big Twelve title regardless. To you know, OU Texas be damned. We know we can beat these other teams. To close, like to close, I think it's the best way to close it is Baylor a year ago was a game away from what TCU is now. I think it's a great comp. I think it's a great comp. They are in, they are right on that same path with TCU, which I think it's a great thing for the league. Baylor fans probably disagree. It's like, oh, I hate TCU. That's how Baylor fans sound. But it's a great thing for the league that Baylor and TCU are both have been playoff caliber squads, Oklahoma State included, in the last couple of seasons. There, none of those three are Oklahoma or Texas, and they all have some sort of supposed stability moving forward, which is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we appreciate your time, Mr. Toll. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? At Locked On Baylor on Twitter, at Drake C. Toll on Twitter. It's it it always is Twitter, always has been, always will be. This whole world is we Twitter. Hope. So yeah, hopefully we it sticks hope. around a little bit. It's my entire personality. So if it doesn't, we've got big problems. So follow us there and all the shows daily and wherever, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. And I want to say, I always enjoy seeing your calls from your, uh, with the Panthers, yeah. China spring Panthers, Is the Cougars that- close. Cougars, Cougars, Cougars. Close, Cougars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congrats to your state championship and, and did a great job with that. So I want to tell you also good job Thank there. You. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Josh neighbors underscore find the show at L O big 12. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Drake, we're talking to you very soon. Thanks, man. Thanks, Josh.